Hello and welcome to this week's edition of BPM Pod, the podcast where we get behind people's music. I'm your host, Ashley Scrace Vendel. Chris isn't here for this week's episode. It's uh, down to down to me, actually. I've been a bit sick, so I've caught up with a solo episode in the meantime, but I'm, I'm much better now, so that's all good. I'm pleased that on this episode, we can dedicate the entire time to one guest and one topic and one focus, and that is the sublime singer-songwriter Ben Osborne. Ben was last on the show in May 2019, a long time back now, with the album Letters from the Border, an album which I loved. And now he's back to talk about The Studies, his new EP and second release with Nonastar Records, out on the 15th of April. We featured one track a few episodes ago called Are We The Flood, which we both really liked. And you can hear more of the music from The Studies already, wherever you get fine music, including the singles The Fire and The Secret. Ben's here to tell us today a little bit more about his upcoming release, how songwriting has been during these times, and what's coming up next on the radar. But first, here's a clip of the song The Fire. All of my dreams are on fire I scribble out the equations Into the small house There's a disease on my street now There is a war in my Gap in the sky For the rain or the light to get through And a fire in my bed I am a coat that the rain Ben, very nice to see you. Very nice to hear you. How are you? Um, well, I'm really happy to be back with you, um, uh, though virtually this time. I couldn't make you a cup of tea this time. That's it. I thought about it when I was like, oh, I should have a cup of tea during this. <laughs> I remember we had a, we just had a, like a nice cup of tea before and then had a nice chat in my, in my old flat in Berlin. Um, yeah, and it's, uh, I, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's, it's quite an intense time for everyone and that's that's probably been the case <laughs> for the last couple of years. So even though we haven't seen each other in that time, that's probably been like a standard answer for a while for people. It's kind of an intense time. Um, I'm really happy to be releasing new music again. Um, uh, since Letters from the Border, I was, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very proud of Letters from the Border. It was like very much a debut and like, you know, I was learning a lot. Uh, and uh, I had planned to do a second album and uh, bring it out last year and the pandemic really messed up all of my plans and kind of messed, yeah, messed around with my ideas of how I was going to do things. And in the end, what I've ended up with is these kind of, these songs and instrumentals that I recorded um, over the last couple of years that since Letters from the Border um, and I've chosen a few and kind of found a kind of conceptual link between them put them together as as the ep studies so yeah i'm really really pleased to be back with you to talk about it i remember from a previous chat that you're a pretty structured writer 
you like to sort of sit down and uh, actually get all the songs out in one go or have some sort of deadline or time frame. And I was reading in the notes about this release that this wasn't so much the case with, with this EP. How was making that switch from something that's very structured into something a little more spontaneous, like you're kind of collecting yeah. a scrapbook? Yeah, I mean, originally, you know, I you know, Letters from the Border was recorded on in this studio out on the border uh, yeah, in the East. Yeah, which I, is still a place I go a lot. It's my friend Alex's home and it's where Nonestar Records is based. Um, and originally, you know, I planned to kind of do the same thing as I'd done with Letters from the Border. I thought I'll go off into the studio. I'll just spend a lot of time there. I'll write, record. And... Um, my first kind of set of sessions to do a second album was um, just as the pandemic was beginning. And um, my partner was uh, moving to Germany at that moment as well. And it was just very intense, like the kind of process of making sure she could get to Germany. She was in Argentina. And um, so in the end, I kind of left the studio having just, I had just done a like a few piano recordings, piano and synth and stuff. I'd written some songs, but I hadn't, nothing was finished. I left the studio and went back to Berlin and then, you know, lockdown started. I couldn't go back to the studio. And it, basically that was a kind of, everything was kind of interrupted already from that first, you know, moment of trying to make it. Like, instead of it being something where I went to a place and just like wrote and recorded and got everything out in a, in a, in a set time, it was, it was more like a, a sketchbook, you know, I was like carrying around with me. I mean, literally I was carrying around notebooks with me all the time and recording on my phone and stuff like that. So, so these songs were really written in kind of in bits and pieces. And I think they, I think they really have that in them. Um, you know, I think like the, the, a lot of them are almost like about that, um, like, Are We The Flood starts, the first line is like, I woke up tonight the first time that I could write in weeks. And, you know, you know, you can tell, like, that's literally what happened, you know. It was like middle of the night, you know, one of these panicky nights of the pandemic, not knowing what direction the world was going to go in. Wake, waking up at four in the morning and going and sitting and writing you know, just just writing and writing and getting all the things out, you know, and that's kind of the first lines of the song were written then, but they are describing that moment as well. So I think it's a, yeah, it's a kind of a document of a unusual process. It's a little darker than usual, this one. And we talked off air and you mentioned the phrase broken intellectual. And that's certainly the character that comes through here. You mentioned in the notes about this recording that there are Radiohead influences and obviously there's the sort of Leonard Cohen association that people have made with you as well. But what really got me in those notes was something that 
popped into my head when I was listening to this music, and that's uh, the David Byrne influence, Talking Heads influence. I really get the sense here of David Byrne, a slightly more darker, dissonant, chiseled, grizzled kind of um, sound, I guess. I also got a little bit of Scott Walker and a little bit of Nick Cave too. And I guess, is that, was that an intentional choice to go down this route? To take something a little more oblique, a little bit obscure? Or is this just sort of the influences that came to you and they just shone through? Oh, that's great. That's great. You know, I don't write those notes as well. So that's my, that's uh, Beth who wrote that. And yeah. it's, I, it's interesting because, you know, when we do those like notes that we give out to press, um, I, I often write them for other people. That's one of my side jobs. Um, I write press releases for other musicians. So, and it's you have this conversation with a musician where you go like, oh, what, what's your influence and stuff. And then you always have that choice of like, do I say what the musician's influenced by or do I say what I hear? And Beth's great because she'll always balance. So she, I absolutely love David Byrne. I'm a huge, I'm a huge Talking Heads fan, one of my favorite bands of all time. Um, and I love Nick Cave uh, as well. And I think, yeah, <laughs> Scott Walker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scott Walker's fa- yeah, fascinating, absolutely fascinating uh, songwriter to me and composer. Um, and I'm very honoured by those kind of comparisons. Now, obviously, there's like the, the giants, you know, that we're, that we're all like trying to be in the shadow of. But um, yeah, David Byrne. That's a really interesting one, and I think that really comes across in the videos because of this. Also, because the videos, I'm wearing this like big blue suit. You know, it's a bit of that kind of. Um, uh, Stop making sense, like talking heads. You may ask yourself, am I right? Am I wrong? And you may say to yourself, my God, what have I done? And David Byrne is great like this because he, he has this kind of like, I think David Byrne's a really underrated lyricist. Like people don't really talk about his lyrics that much, you know, because they're quite weird and they, you know, they can feel a bit abstract maybe. But I think he's a really, really great poet for his way of like, he takes you to this dark place or to this romantic place or whatever with this complete detachment that's also like completely involved, you know, like he, somehow he, it, it's like reading really good sci-fi, you know, it's like, you're totally in this world, but you're also in another world. But actually that other world is this world. You know what I mean? It's that, it's that feeling. So yeah, I think he's always in the back of my mind. Like, um, yeah, and I, I don't know. I mean, I think, yeah, with the Leonard Cohen thing, um, yeah, the, the Leonard Cohen influence, it was never like intentional, you know, it was on, on, on Letters from the Border. Um, and it was something that really came out through the recording process because like uh, uh, my voice changed and, and, and you can, um, I don't really recommend it that much, but you can look for older recordings of mine. You can hear what my voice was like, you know, five, six years ago. And it was a lot higher and a lot more kind of, uh, kind of slacker indie vibes, I guess, <laughs> or like, you know, and actually during the process of, or just before the process of recording the album, I realized my I couldn't go high anymore in my voice and I could actually go a lot lower than I used to be able to go. I'm not a, I'm not really much of a singer anyway, but I found that like, you know, I, I used to be able to hit like this low E and now I can hit this low B, you know, and like so I started to like 
play around with that. And that brought out this kind of Leonard Cohen thing, I think. Um, and I actually like, because that came up so much in the reviews and stuff, um, I actually like referenced Leonard Cohen in the fire because it, it, there's a line, a famous Leonard Cohen line from Anthem where he says, there's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in, which is a lovely line. It's uh, often quoted line. And I included like in the, in the fire, I say there's a gap in the sky uh, for the rain or the light to get through. So I, you know, I kind of like had this little kind of hint of like, oh yeah, I know, like I know everyone's comparing me to going at the moment. So like, I'll just like, just lean into it and <laughs> put the line. just speaking there about the song The Fire, which I think is probably my favourite from the EP. To me, it's the most relatable, the most sort of potentially depressing, but I think there's a glimmer of optimism in there as well. But the outro is really what took me, which we just listened to there. It reminded me, and this is a massively different comparison, but it reminded reminded me of the... um, song from the blockbuster film 1917 and there's a piece in it called The Night Window by Thomas Newman. Now, obviously, it's much more layered and more overblown and there's different complexities to it than the outro to the fire, but I think it's that major, minor switching, that sort of dissonance, that clash that reminded me of it, and uh, it's quite striking. How did you come up with that? Can you tell us a little bit about the process of that song and the outro in particular? Yeah, thank you so much, and that's very, you know... The, the strings and that are, are Alex, Alex Stolzer, um, my very dear friend. And he's like, he, he produced Letters from the Border. And I feel like with, I mean, with this EP, I kind of feel like it's more of a co-production. I mean, anyway, with Letters from the Border, like some of the production's me and some of it's his. Anyway, production is not a very defined word actually in music anyway. But I feel like with Letters from the Border, maybe like his 
you know, I was always turning to him for a kind of creative last word in a way. Like, was, you know, he was really building arrangements with me. In this case, in this EP, partly because of like the way it was made uh, over a longer time and in bits and pieces, um, it was more like he was more coming in at the end. Um, but he did, yeah, he did the strings on the fire and he did the backing vocals on um, on the fire and on Are We the Flood. Uh, and yeah, that that was um, yeah that song. It's interesting that song because I think probably that part, that chord sequence at the end was probably the first the first thing I wrote of that song. And I didn't know what it was. You know, I just had this chord sequence and like and it, and this melody. Um, it's like da, 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 da. it's like quite slow slow melody, but you could feel that you could easily um, build harmonies on it. You know. Um, and yeah, so somehow like I had this, it was one of my like little piano sketches. I didn't know what I was going to do with it. Uh, and I had the fire, I think then I had the lyrics for the fire and kind of started like trying ways of like putting this with those lyrics. And there was just, and even like at one point I had some, I was like, oh, I'll sing over that bit as well. I have this other, and you know more and more like it just became obvious that was its own section you know and it was it was going to be this like space to process like all of you know because yeah you're like you say it, it it could be quite a dark song i mean it's the fire to me is a, it's really like a love song uh as well so even though it's kind of got this apocalyptic feeling um it is very much like one person singing to someone they love so it's got this kind of um yeah, this romantic edge to it. So I think it was important that it ended on a note of possibility. You know? yeah. But I think, yeah, that's, I didn't really think about it at the time, but now I, now I notice this like minor major thing, which is a, a trick I love doing, you know, and it, like you say, it's not a hard trick, but it's very effective. <laughs> and, and now I think about it, like, that's a nice, that's a nice thing for that song because it's carrying these two sides, you know, it's carrying this, fear and even despair at the world but it's also carrying this hope of um that comes from a connection with another person but also comes from maybe like the idea of things could change you know like there's something that i really want to have in this ep i don't want to just be i don't want to just be facing the grief of of uh, of a world that feels like it's not that it can be going in, in a very difficult direction. I want to also feel like the sense of the people who are standing up to try and make it better. You know, I want to have that in it um, because that's also, I, I'm so lucky that I get to meet those people a lot in my life. And so I, I want that to be like in there as well, you know.
I actually got a little bit emotional reading the notes you sent about Jane today. You recorded that at a place called Donau 115, and that's in Berlin. And for those of you who don't know, it's just a small sort of bar and live music venue, um, which I found pretty late in my life in Berlin, unfortunately. So went there a few times, but nowhere near as much as I should have, mainly for the two song Tuesday. And it was recommended to me by another songwriter we've heard on here before, uh, Tara C. Taylor. And it was one of the best recommendations I've ever received. Um, it, It was such a special little place. And when I was reading about Jane today and how this was recorded there, during the pandemic, it made me really reflect on what a bizarre time I had there myself. It was the very last open mic I went to before one thing and another. And it was actually the night when, in retrospect, I think somebody had COVID and (laughs) turned up. But there we go. And I think it was, and I know it was, it was the same night that the US closed their borders. And there was genuine panic among people there that this virus, this thing that we had heard about was now really coming home to roost and it was having tangible effects. Now, of course, you know, we all knew that people were dying from it and people were getting it, but there's a distance there, right? It's on the other side of the world. And there were some people there from the US and They weren't concentrated on the open mic. They were just frantically checking their phones and working out how they could get home or how people from the US would come to Berlin. And I remember the guy, um, I think the guy who runs it, Chad, I think his name is, and he was in a bit of panic as well. But it was the first time this was really having tangible effects. And little did we know what that would kick off, I guess. And so what is it about the place, I guess, that drew you there. I mean, for me, it's incredibly special, but it's so unassuming. So how did that come about? It's been actually when I first moved to Berlin, um, I was subletting the flat above Donau. That's Chad's flat, you know, Chad who runs Donau, one of the people who runs Donau 115. and so my really my first experience of Berlin was was living above Donau and going down there like all the time <laughs> to listen to jazz and then you know because there's great jazz there. I'm not really a big jazz person, but it really kind of was a really great thing to have that in my life. And then I started to you know go to some of their more experimental nights and yeah. And Chad is uh, also known as Emperor X. You know, absolutely. Uh, brilliant songwriter, producer, um, and we've done various. You know, we're good friends, and we've done various things together. He's also he was also one of the founders of the Open Music Lab, or one of the founding members of the Open Music Lab. Um, I, what, uh, this project that I co-run, um, giving free music education. Um, so we've yeah, and we've also like done creative projects together and stuff. And Chad and the the Donnell crew did something really special in the pandemic, which is they basically, they basically said like, we're going to be a support space for musicians. So they set up a musician's co-working space. Um, you know, it was, there were, you know, you paid, you got a key 
and you got a certain amount of hours every week guaranteed, but you could also usually get more hours. And they're also very flexible. They're like, oh, you can't, you know, you're not really using it this month. You don't have any money. Okay, don't pay this month. You know, they weren't like, they weren't running it for profit. Like it was clearly like something to support musicians. Um, and they also, they also bought loads of new equipment during the pandemic so that they could live stream. So, you know, they, they, and also so they could record there. So various musicians were in and out recording there. Like just, yeah, when, before my partner came over uh, to Germany, I was at Donau with Chad uh, and we were talking about like what was going on. And he said to me, like his friend was there who was a journalist from Deutsche Welle. And they were like, the, the Germany's going to close its borders within the next three days. Um, and that wasn't anywhere in the news at that time. We were like, no, what? Seriously? Because at the time, I think it was only like Finland or something had done it. All, and, you know, felt so, but it still felt far enough away. And like, and that moment was like, oh, okay. And then Chad and I went out to like the supermarket, you know, went to like the, went shopping on Sunday for like non-perishable food items. <laughs> you know, we had this really lovely like friends at the end of the world feeling like, I mean, we were, we were stressed, we were scared, but also it was really nice that we were together and, you know, we drank a glass of whiskey and, you know, probably played the piano together and on now. I don't know, it was like a really nice night actually. So yeah, and then that place carried on being, yeah, because of this, like, because they, they gave me a key yeah, and various musicians got a key um, and used it as a co-working space and as a recording space. Well, you're talking a lot there about the pandemic, of course. I mean, that's dominated the lives of everyone the past couple of years and it's by no means over yet either. And it's best not to forget that. Um, but we're definitely in a different phase today. W what learnings have you had though? from the pandemic? What sort of observations have you had that maybe have surprised you or disappointed you or whatever? It's, it's amazing the spontaneous creativity of people, you know, when they're so unsure of what's going to happen, right? Like, and I'm, I, I've been pretty good with the rules all the time and I really try to respect them. And I have people in my life who are high risk people and who I, you know, I really want to, be aware of that and stuff. Um, but I've been, I've loved these, these seeing these moments of like how people find a way to express themselves when they kind of, you know, when that, when things feel impossible, like seeing people dancing together in headphones in the park, you know, like really beautiful thing to see. Like, and, um, or like this, you know, there was a really snowy winter in Berlin and like the lakes were frozen and everyone was just out on this lake, just walking around on the ice, like staring at it in disbelief. And like, you know, and this kind of like people taking real joy at this thing, you know, not needing to go anywhere, not needing any kind of, um, not needing to spend any money, not needing to like be in a place, whatever, just like literally to, well, yeah, not needing to be inside a place anyway, <laughs> but just literally being out, like taking a, the joy of, of being on a frozen lake and like seeing other people and sharing that with them and just laughing together. You know, it was really like, these moments were really amazing. And I think showed, I mean, because the, the, they showed something really positive in our potential, you know, when, we, when we're together. I think maybe the darkest thing for me but also I find some hope in this. The darkest thing for me is that this is really 
I mean, for one thing, like so many people in the world live with such intense restriction, you know, and I'm so privileged that I don't, you know, I, I'm really free in my life to do what I want to do. And that's a, that's a rare privilege. And I think everyone should have that. Um, but um, this was a taster of not having that in some ways. In some ways, other people had it much worse, you know, but also that thing of like, this is us, this, we need to understand that immense privilege of being able to go where we want, those of us who have it, I mean, you know, where we want and do what we want. And we need to really work on giving that to everyone. You know, we know we have like this tiny taste of like not being allowed to do things. And like, we need to understand that that's a reality, like for so many people. And the other, the other dark thing, but also thing that I think we need to take something from is like, in a way it's, um, you know, this, this isn't going to stop. Like not just that the pandemic's not over, but also like we're going to all be living with a, with a climate crisis. Like that's just, you know, there's no point in denying it. Like that's just how it's going to be. Like we're going to have to face it, whether it's, you know, whether it's forest fires or floods or, uh, food shortages, whatever it is, it's going to hit us, uh, even in places like Berlin, where it feels like, you know, so easy to be like these things will affect us. And, and this, this is a start of that way of thinking in some ways, like thinking like, do I really need to travel? Do I really need this thing? Do I need to buy this thing? You know, like starting to think of your impact a bit more on other people. I mean, in the pandemic, we've been thinking, you know, and we're, hopefully we're still thinking like this, like, oh, if I, if I don't take care of myself, if I'm not aware of like my body, I could hurt someone else. And that's not just true during a pandemic. That's true. That's life. You know, your body, you can hurt someone else if you don't take care, In, including like, if you don't take care of like, uh, you know, having a sustainable way of living, you know? So I think this is like, there's darkness of realizing this is kind of just the start. And there's also positive of saying like, this is a chance to learn this and understand this and get better at this, you know? So the EP is done and ready to go. It's out on the 15th of April. But what's next for you, Ben? Are you a busy guy? Yeah, the tour is very exciting. Um, so for this year, there's uh, at least, there's probably going to be a few other tours as well. But for now, the one that I'm working towards is uh, May and June uh, with Bethany Roberts, who uh, is a longtime collaborator of mine. She's a wonderful musician, songwriter, composer, poet, all of the good things. Uh, and she's based in Bristol in the UK. Um, and uh, Marlo More or Martin Rebel, who's uh, another one of these amazing musicians who can kind of do everything, you know. Brilliant double bass player, uh, works with very kind of um, in a quite experimental way with the double bass with effects and loops and uh and, and uh working with tape loops and, and noise and yeah um and he's based in leipzig so the idea is to bring together these the three of us um as a, a kind of as a live trio so 
it, I'm kind of, we're kind of saying it's like a Ben Osborne trio in a way, but it's also all three of us, you know, so we're going to play pieces from all three of us and work out a set of that would go between our, our pieces and our styles. Um, and I'm really, really excited about that because I've, yeah, for it's been a long time since I've played like in a group. Uh, and these are two musicians who I, who, with whom I've played quite a lot and I've always had a really good experience with. I'm so excited about getting them together in one room. Um, and yeah, we're going to do a week in Germany, a week in the UK, um, Germany in May and the UK in June. Um, yeah, I've got that going on. That's really exciting. I'm working on working on some new music as well, but I don't know. It's probably not ready to talk about it yet, but I'm going to definitely be trying it out during these concerts. Uh, and yeah, I'm booking another couple of tours later in the year, but again, they're probably something to talk about a bit later because they're not, they're not like solid yet. Um, but one, there's one, a couple of big things working at the moment as well. One is uh, doing music for a podcast series called Dear Poetry, um, which is coming out in, on Audible, uh, hopefully in the next few months. Um, kind of deep in that at the moment. And it's a really great project. It's like a poetry podcast. I'm doing the music and sound for it and working with a great uh, journalist. Uh, Louisa Beck, who's also based in Berlin, who's who's presenting it and writing it. Um, and then the other thing is uh, next, this is like something I'm working on now, but won't actually be in public till next year, uh, is an opera. Um, I haven't, I haven't, I'm not composing it, but I'm writing the, I've written the libretto. Um, so I've written the text for it. And it's composed by Josephine Stevenson, who is uh, one of my, closest friends and we've worked together a lot um but it was the first time we've done a full-length opera and she's an amazing composer like i mean on every level she's a brilliant classical composer but she's also like um you know she also has a real like love for pop music and she's worked with tom york and uh, damon alburn and like you know she's really she's like the kind of one of these like amazing arrangers who like people go to to make you know to bring out uh, yeah, she's just she did the album with X-Ray with uh, um, with Elena Tonra from Daughter. Um, they did an album together, a really beautiful album a couple of years ago. And yeah, she's like, I mean, any you can like look her up. She's got an amazing CV. Um, I couldn't even begin to list all of her incredible collaborations and um, uh, and yeah, stunning uh, composer in her own right. Like what she she kind of has this. Uh, way of working particularly with voice that I really love um, so yeah we've got an opera we're deciding the title at the moment but it is uh, it will be performed next year in Avignon in the uh, the opera festival there um, so that's been a big big job for the last year basically writing this libretto um, all about the moon <laughs> yeah thanks I'm really excited I'm, I'm really it's, it still feels unreal like um actually you know like because every so often i'll see like a picture from like the set designer she's like hey is, what do you think about this and i'm like wow is this is this really happening <laughs> like, so yeah so but i just got a, i'm a bit late on thinking of the title I'm, so i've got a big list of titles I need to go through after this <laughs> you've got to do some work then but yeah by the time the podcast yeah, 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 yeah. Come to Avignon in uh, 2023. Sounds lovely. <laughs> okay. 
got a tongue where you know you put it in your diary now. It depends if you have another kid or not. <laughs> <laughs> let's see. But, um, can't can't possibly reveal that one already. Let's let's see how things go. Oh, it'd be lovely to take a trip down there. Ben, thank you so much for your time on here. Really cool to talk to you. Really cool to catch up and uh, really wish you all the best. Thank you so much, Ashley. So nice to talk to you. Osborne there talking about his new EP, The Studies. It's out on the 15th of April via Nonastar Records. And go and check that out wherever it is you get your music. It will be released absolutely everywhere. Uh, well worth checking out. And we will certainly review that on BPM Pod in its entirety in a coming episode. Thank you very much for listening today. Chris will be back on the next episode where we'll talk a little bit about computer game soundtracks. We're going to go back to the 8-bit wonderland for this one. If you've got any new music to mention or new music to talk about, please do get in touch. And that includes you, singer-songwriters. I know there's a couple of you have got in touch and we'll definitely feature your stuff soon. I'll wait for Chris to get back first. And if you think we should be paying attention to any other topics or any other music out there, let us know. You can do that on Facebook or on Instagram, all at BPM pod. And for more on Ben Osborne, check out Ben hyphen or dash Osborne.com. Ben dash Osborne.com. And if you just Google or search for Ben Osborne music, it will come up straight away. Otherwise, it only remains to say thank you very much for listening. Stay safe, everyone. Be excellent to each other. And I look forward to speaking to you again soon.